if you're not specific about who your audience is, then you're not going to see the same results if you're creating content or you have a business. It's really, really, it's crucial. This is Matthew Del Negro, and you're listening to 10,000 No's. No matter what you do or where you are in your life right now, I'm pretty sure you've heard the word no more than once. And some of those no's might make you feel like you don't want to get out of bed. This podcast is here to tell you, you're not alone. If all these people can walk through the valley of no's to get to their yes, why can't you? Welcome and thank you for joining me again at 10,000 No's. Today, I have the incredibly efficient and productive Heidi Dean. If you Google social media for actors, you're bound to see Heidi's name more than anyone else's. For those of you that are actors, you're really in for a treat. She has such gold for you in terms of how to make the most of your raw talent. Same goes for entrepreneurs. She has these systems and worldviews that can take your business from where it is right now up to the next level. And what I liked about the way she discusses these topics and themes is that I, it really came from her own experiences as an actor and later running a successful gluten-free baking and catering business, which was created actually to help her husband combat his celiac disease diagnosis. She learned how to market her business and then brought that to her actor friends, including some super successful ones. And now with marketing for actors, she's helping every actor, regardless of their level within the business, which is why it was so hard to schedule this interview between her speaking, her teaching, appearing at film festivals around the country to share her knowledge with us. I give you Heidi Dean. Yeah. So a little bit about my story. Uh, it's a, it's a big story with, you know, where I started as an actor to where I am now working with actors. I'll try to give you the tweetable version or maybe the Instagrammable version. <laughs> yeah. You know what, you know, it's so funny you say that that's one of, one of the points about doing this and actually having these episodes not be so short is I, I'm kind of, I love, while I love all of that, it's great to get the little sound bites and, you know, we pull them out, but I, I really do like going in for more of a deep dive and finding the whole story and, and hearing, you know, about what you experienced. So go as far into it as you want or be as surface as you want. It's completely your call. Okay, cool. Well, for your listeners now, I'm a social media coach for actors, and now I live in New York City, but I'm originally from sunny Orange County, California. In fact, I'm from the tiny town of Tustin. Say that five times fast. <laughs> really small town right next to Santa Ana and Irvine in California. And I was probably like a lot of your listeners and maybe like you as a kid, you know, I was always performing. I was always singing. I started as a child actor. I did my first show when I was 10 years old. And even before then, I remember I would like put on shows for my parents, like big shows. You know, I would like <laughs> design the program, make the food, dress my brother up as a raindrop so I could sing Don't Rain on My Parade. So like these were like big productions. And, um, you know, so I started officially when I was 10, even though I had been doing that from like five years old um, on. And then um, I, I was lucky, you know, I joined SAG just a few years later and I had agents and managers. I was fortunate to work in voiceover, um, a little bit of TV, theater, um, a little bit of everything. And then I went to NYU and I studied acting. I 
went all the way from California to New York all by myself. Uh, and um, Okay. All right. I'm going to stop you right there. And I apologize for the interruption, but mm-hmm. I definitely want to get into NYU. I definitely want to get into it, but I know people are going to be pissed off if I don't say you just go like, well, I got into SAG and then I started working. And then next thing I know, I went to NYU. So I want to, I want to slow you down and go like, all right, how did that come about? It does sound like you were doing all the things that, um, you know, that kids do. Maybe you were doing it on a, a slightly higher level, but how would you describe, like, how did it go from just being something in your living room to all of a sudden, you're in SAG. I mean, did you do community theater at first? Was it just at a day camp? How did that come about? Oh yeah, I did. Um, I did community theater. I did children's theater. I um, I remember going to music class. Um, I had a really good voice. I still have a really good voice. <laughs> and um, I remember going, my dad taking me to a music class and I got to sing for everyone in the class and the teacher. And I remember seeing everyone's reaction. And that kind of like told my parents like, well, maybe we should, you know, look further into this. And I had a really big voice and I'm little, I'm five, two, and I've probably been five, two since I've been, you know, 11 years old. So, (laughs) um, so it was really the singing that started everything, even though I loved acting and, um, and, you know, I just started auditioning. I I remember my first big audition was for the national tour of, um, of Les Mis. And I I actually remember that day because when I, I, I didn't even know what Les Mis was. That's what was funny. All these little girls were going in with like pretty much wearing rags. I had no idea why, but they were going in for little Cosette. And I went in in this like pink frilly dress. I was kind of chubby. I never would have been Cosette. And I went in and I belted the Little Mermaid song. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally wrong, right? But I remember the director and he told me to never stop singing and to never stop performing and told me I was special. And I'm like tearing up right now (laughs) because that moment changed my life, you know? And um um, and I remember waiting all night for that phone to ring and it never rang because I was never going to get that part. <laughs> but, um, that was like a big moment in my life. Like having someone like that tell me I never should stop doing this was huge. And then I, good um, for that person. That, I yeah. mean, that's, that's, what's so great. And, and people listen, I kind of say it over and over again on this podcast is, you know, the effect that you have on other people when you don't even realize it like that one thing that he said i'm sure he has you know you were some how old were you 10 12 i was 10 yeah <laughs> so he had some 10 year old girl in there that he never gave the part he he doesn't yeah, i'm sure if you ask him today if he's even still alive or she mm-hmm. uh they wouldn't remember that but that kindness literally launched a career and i had someone recently on the podcast uh who's extremely successful And she talked about uh, somebody having the opposite effect when she went to apply to grad school and this, whoever was in charge of admissions basically just completely slammed her writing in a very mean way that was not constructive and it, and it stopped her from writing for 20 years. And it's, it's like, luckily she kind of found her way again, but you know, I, I hate to stop the story, but it's it's really kind of pertinent to what we're doing here, with which is ten thousand no's and perseverance, and and you know, as much as much as it's about you, the listener, 
listening and figuring out your own journey. It's also how are you paying back to the people around you and the people maybe behind you by being kind and encouraging and inspiring. So sorry, Heidi, go on. I just had to. Oh, no. I mean, I have a moment too, like that, that worked the opposite way. I mean, we, I think as artists, we take things to heart more than others. (laughs) And I had, um, I remember, I don't know the age that I was, maybe I was 14. And I remember there was a director choreographer who looked at me and told me I would never dance, which for me was strange because I had never been asked to dance. I was always, because I had that big voice. I was always playing the leads. I never really had to dance. And I got put in a situation where I just had to dance in the chorus, but he made that rude comment to me. And that stuck with me for years. I remember when I, you know, did go to college. Um, I was actually a good dancer, <laughs> but I didn't know it because I had these words in my head holding me back. And it wasn't until like I got paid for a year to dance, you know, in a featured role <laughs> and make money doing it that I finally was like, oh, that guy didn't know what he was talking about. But I let it hold me back for I don't know how many years. Yeah. And then you ask yourself, did that guy ever dance? I mean, maybe he was an incredible dancer, regardless, you know, even if he was incredible or he wasn't, you you know, there's, there's a way to do it. Um, that is, uh, you can be encouraging. I mean, there's also the tough love approach, but anyway, uh, go on. Sorry. (laughs) I won't, I won't keep interrupting you. I promise. Oh, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it's your show. So (laughs) you do whatever you want. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to remember where we were. I mean, I think that was my, that was my first big audition. And, um, then I, you know, I ended up getting a, a manager and an agent and then I was with, um, uh, CED at the time. They're not called CED anymore, but I, um, I did a bunch of commercials and I got my start in voiceovers. I did a bunch of voiceovers for Disney because I'm 38 now, but I still sound like I'm 20. And when I was, you know, 14, I sounded like I was seven. So I, that was most of my career was playing people 10 years younger than me. Uh, Cause I looked really young and I sound really young. So I did a lot of voiceovers. That's where I got my start. Um, that's how I got my sad card actually was through, um, through doing those Disney voiceovers. And, um, and then, yeah, I just did the actor hustle for a long time. You know, I lived in Orange County. My dad would drive me three days a week up to, to LA for auditions for a lot of TV shows. And um, I went to also went to an arts high school in Orange County, I went to OSHA. So that had a huge impact on who I became, you know, just the fact I love actors so much. I think going to an arts high school had a huge impact yeah. on that. Well, I'm let, still friends me, with most of those people. <laughs> really? That's mm-hmm. great. Well, let me ask you about, you You mentioned your dad and I was thinking about your parents before, because here you were, um, you know, just had an affinity to, to put on shows, but your parents actually supported it in some way, shape or form. Uh, were they at all in this business or uh, were they just very supportive parents? They're just super supportive. They're both teachers. They're first and second grade teachers. So I think they're just naturally supportive. That's just what they do. Uh, my mom's tone deaf. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. She, I mean, she knows she's tone deaf. So I definitely <laughs> didn't get the voice from her. My dad doesn't really sing. So we, we don't know where it came from. And they really had no interest ever in doing any kind of acting. So I'm not sure actually where it came from. I just, I, something I always loved, loved to do. Yeah. But no, they because were always I was super, super supportive. Super I was supportive, very yeah. lucky. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what I asked because you're, you know, before we sat down, I was thinking about you and thinking, wow, you know, she started this so early. 
Uh, she seems super well adjusted, which goes against the cliche of child actors being unfocused or or, or getting older and not, um, be, you know, maybe they had success at a certain point and went to their head. They didn't, you, you know, they got caught up in everything. But you you seem extremely focused, extremely productive, and so I was just wondering about the the kinds of encouragement and instruction and discipline you got from your parents and other teachers, and then how you would kind of uh, give advice to parents that may be listening that have children in this business or who want to pursue it. You know, what were some of the things that worked for you? Were they just lucky they got a good kid, you know, who was very (laughs) focused or, or were there, it sounds like they were very supportive driving you three days a week is, you know, pretty incredible. I mean, I have the best family ever. They, and, and I, I, my, my mom, my, both my parents, but my mom really taught me to be organized, um, really taught me like, I need to give a thousand percent to everything. <laughs> you know, I, I can't half ass anything. She didn't use those words, but um, I think that that's, that's driven so much I do today. And, and I think that's why I am adjusted. I also have both parts of the brain, which not a lot of actors and artists do. So although I was really good in the arts, I was also really good in school. So I think that kept me adjusted too. So even though I was auditioning, I was working, you know, I also was like ranked 10 in my class of 800 of my school. Like, you know, I I had a 4.17 GPA. So I think having both, (laughs) um, you know, and being good in school and doing my work, it it kept me grounded because it wasn't all about, it wasn't all about the art, you know, it was, you know, I was, I was giving a hundred percent to everything. Yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but I think the fact it wasn't just about the arts for me. Yeah, no, um, I have a very clear picture of you as a total underachiever. It sounds like <laughs> 4.1, you know, auditioning for national tours. Um, you're making me feel very bad about myself. Um, no, you know, you could see that it's, it's amazing that you say that because I can see it from your website alone, what I am was first taken by was how well put together your business is, how organized. So it's, you know, I find it um, particularly interesting that your mom, you say my mom taught me to be organized because you're just your website alone seems so user friendly and it kind of tells everything that you do, everything that you offer. There are little pop-ups that come up all the time. Like it's just really well put together, which I imagine ends up trickling down to your clients. If they, people choose to work with you, that to me from, from the actors I know, that seems like gold uh, Mm -hmm. because it seems like you have this ability to harness what, you know, some others have this natural raw ability, raw talent, but they can't necessarily connect the dots. And from the outside, it looks like that's almost the essence of what you do. You could call it social media, but that's just kind of the backdrop. It seems like you're, what you're really doing is harnessing people's talents and powers and, and organizing them so they can actually get something out of them. Yeah. Yeah. I've never looked at it that way, but yeah, I'm really good at seeing the big picture. I'm really good at running businesses. I'm organization is probably my best trait. I'm just really good at organizing things. That's why I'm good with 
tech because tech is very methodical. This goes to this, that goes to this, goes to this, right? If A, if A isn't making it to D, then I know, okay, I got to fix B or C. Like, but that's all the same part of the brain for me. Um, and I don't know, like if I grew up with that, like I say, I learned it from my mom and I think I did, but I have a four-year-old daughter now who is like the carbon copy of me, uh, my mom says. And, um, and we have, I bought her these, this like organizational unit of like, it has like 12 holes for different things that you can, different toys. And she helped me put everything in there three years ago. She was like one when we put all the stuff in there. People come over to my house and they always look at it and go, oh my God, I bet you have to clean that up every day. And I look at them and I laugh. I say, I've never cleaned that up in three years. She puts everything away. You know, certain toys go in certain bins and they have to go back in that bin or she'll tell us that they're in the wrong place. It's just like her mind works that way. And I know my mind works that way. And I think a little bit is how my you know parents raised me. But I do think some of it is, is something, you know, I'm definitely born with. <laughs> Genetic, yeah. Um, well, yeah, let, but it's something let, you can learn too. I think that's that is what I teach. One of the biggest things I teach with social media is, you know, how do we organize, get, you know, organize our contacts on all of our platforms so that we can, you know, build relationships. And that's that's something that is easy for me to do because I just naturally, that's how my brain works. I naturally do that every day. Huh. And and so let me ask you because it's it's ten thousand no's. So I always end up saying this. Uh, that I can't just kind of uh, kiss up to my guests. I have to kind of, you know, find some chinks in your armor. Would you say that that same brain that keeps you super organized, has it ever uh, been an obstacle for your art? Have you ever felt like you had, um, or were you able to easily you know, shift back and forth between the two sides of the brain so that when you were working as an actor, you were able to really disengage from that, uh, the director inside your head, the, the, uh, the organizer inside your head and allow yourself to be with the flow. Has that ever been an obstacle or? That's something I definitely would have to work hard on, whether I was singing or acting, like I was, would have to, you know, not, not be so hard on myself and yes, not be watching myself while I was working and not, not constantly be thinking. It wasn't for me. I wasn't, you know, someone that had just, um, could jump right into it and, and, and just feel it. <laughs> you know, there's actors like that. And they're like, how do you do that? I have to think through everything, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is good. Cause I mean, I always knew my lines. Um, you know, I was, I, I was a good, I was a really good actor too, because you know, I, I trained, but, um, I did have to be careful about, about that being in my head all the time. About being so, too, uh, too planned out so that uh-huh. it didn't feel like it was spontaneous or new or, or magical in some way. And it felt more like, uh, um, st- studied. I, I mean, it, it uh-huh. sounds like yeah. you, you're a technician. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I only bring it up because, you know, one of the things that as, as you're listening, um, and you hear Heidi's story and you hear what she can do. One of the things with, with, you know, this, this podcast kind of is, is all about perseverance, but I, I feel like part of that equation is, where do we naturally have our, you know, what are our strengths and how do we set up our life to, uh, to, to showcase them or to let them kind of come to, 
the the surface and be used the way they can be used. So, it, you know, it's a, I don't know if there is a certain point when you stopped acting altogether or if you're still acting in some way, but uh, maybe you could, I want to come back to the NYU experience, but I also, um, just now that we're in it, wondering, was there any definitive point where you said, you know what, I'm, I'm done actually acting or are you still performing? Are you still working? No, I actually stopped acting when I was 30. I started when I was 10. I did it for about 20 years. And so I was, I was kind of on the way out 29, but then when I was 30, I, I had moved on. I'm 38 now. So I've been in the marketing and social media space for, for years. My husband's a, a Broadway and TV actor and all my friends and clients are actors. So I still feel like I'm in the business, but I've actually not, you know, actually had a contract and been acting for, for eight years now. So, um, but I'm a big believer in, in something I call, you know, following the green lights. And I think that's why I eventually left the business because I felt like I was on this, this, you know, constant treadmill of getting, you know, I, I would get, get somewhere, I'd, I'd have a green light, but then it'd be red light, red light, red light, red light. I felt like I couldn't go forward. And then I finally one day just like looked to the right and I saw this pathway that just was like all green lights that I just had never paid attention to before. Right. And I decided just to like, let's follow the green lights. And that eventually led to me, you know, leaving acting. And I started running social media for my husband and successful actors. And, um, but it's funny, even my story, uh, you know, even in my life, like I, the red light, green light have, it's really affected a lot of my life because I was running social media for big actors. I was a social media manager for a bunch of really successful actors. And a lot of people would think it was a dream job. And it was, it was very lucrative. It was awesome. But there were the red lights again because I had my daughter and she wasn't the red light. Obviously she was the green light, but you know, getting up at 2am to feed my daughter was awesome. Getting up at 2am to fix a tweet disaster was not awesome. That was a big red light. (laughs) And, and that was happening a lot. And I realized like my time was not my own. And here I had this, this baby and you know, this little girl that I wanted to spend so much time with. And so then I saw some more green lights and the green lights were starting marketing for actors, the blog and, um, and really taking a big leap of faith, faith, um, leaving something lucrative, something successful, something that was there every day and saying, let's start this blog. Let's drop my clients and let's see if I can help the every actor, you know, and build it myself, which was a, hugely, but that's where the green lights were for me. And I think that's how I've done everything in my entire life was really just like following these green lights. And it sounds kind of weird, but like, okay, well, you know, what, what's the universe telling me is working right now, you know, and, you know, let's see if that's going to work. So, so I am very like, you know, methodical. I do live by rules, but, but I, I am very instinctual in terms of like choosing to do things, you know, I don't know if, yeah, big picture. It sounds like you have a very, uh, a very good gut about what it is you're supposed to be doing. And I'm just doing the math as you're saying that and figuring if you stopped at 30, you had your daughter four years ago. Um, so, so what you, you had that other business for four years, you were doing more of like the kind of big actors and you were managing their social media. And then it was about four years ago that you started marketing for actors. Is that correct on the timeline? Yeah. Give or take on the first four. Um, but 
but yeah, I started marketing for after the blog, actually that transition happened in April, 2015. So I just, you know, hit the three year mark. Okay. Could you talk about launching the blog? Because that's something that I talk about here, which is if, if you have, if you, you know, people are in a job, um, and they're, they've got this instinct to do something else or this dream, but they don't quite know exactly how to do it. What were the things, what were some of the things that were holding you back at that point? Or was it very easy to start that blog or or were you self-conscious about it? Like, who am I, or this is going to rock the boat too much with my current clients. How did that come about? What was that experience? Just walk us through it. Well, for me, it was just a big unknown. I mean, at the time, the reason why I made that that switch too was number one, it was going to be better for me and my family. So that was a big driver for me to make that switch. But I started noticing like, because I was running social media for actors and for producers and casting directors, I was talking to actors every day on social media as other people. And I started to notice like actors had no idea how to act on social media. They were like asking for favors too soon. They, they, they didn't know how to, you know, brand their social media sites. They didn't know what to post. And I, I did research and nobody was helping them. There was literally nobody. There was like maybe one casting director that was kind of telling you the do's and don'ts, but wasn't telling you how to fix them. And so that was kind of the big thing. I was like, there's a, there's a hole in the space here. And it was kind of a leap of faith because if there's a hole, you never know if it's just because no one cares. (laughs) I knew it was important in the business. I knew it's what people were talking about in the business and where we're at now, which social media is so important now for actors. Like I could see that. Um, But it was a big leap because, you know, to go from security knowing, okay, this money's coming in every month to uh, I need to drop these clients to do this. That's, that's scary, you know? And my husband's an actor, you know, he's done, Broadway shows and lots of TV. So, you know, he's a working actor, but still, he's still an actor. You know, <laughs> it's not like, you know, he's making millions and millions of dollars a year where it was, that was an easy jump to make. So yeah. that was the hardest thing for me, but I had a plan. And I think, you know, with my background in social media marketing, I understood that like, if I was going to start a blog, the social media was going to happen at the same time. So when I say everything for marketing for actors was born like April, 2015, that's when the Facebook page was set up. My Twitter page, like um, Instagram came a little later, but uh, that was all started at the same time because I knew there was no blog without the social media. I would just be talking to myself. And because I focused so much on growing my social media tribe of actors, the word just spread like crazy. I mean, in that first six months, it just, I mean, I was writing for major publications. A year later, I was speaking at film festivals, SAG after foundation panels, you know, but I mean, I had the experience. It wasn't like I just set up something and like had never run social media before. And, um, but it really just, it's, I found some green lights. I mean, that's what happened. I found these green lights and the green lights didn't stop. I actually kind of had to like put my foot on the brake a little and say, okay, we got to cruise a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is going really fast. Um, so, so yeah, I made a leap of faith because I was out of my comfort zone, you know, for money and everything like to, to create this blog. But yeah. Um, but so, so the original, the original incarnation of it, when you were handling these, these kind of high profile actors, that was, that was born more out of, your relationship with your husband and then his friends and your mutual friends that you had that were in the business. And you just kind of did, was that 
Is, am I understanding that correctly? Yes. When you mm-hmm. stopped that was all at word age thirty, yeah, yeah, it was like doing it for some people, and then other somebody else needed somebody else needed something done, or sometimes I was just helping people promote the word about their, you know, their one woman show or their web series, and you know, so all of those were just word of mouth. That's kind of like. And did it start as just favors, like favors for friends, and then you realized, oh, this is kind of uh, maybe I should be charging for this, or did you go like at thirty? Okay, we need to do this. We're making this change. And oh this no, is no, that it took it took a couple of years. Yeah. Uh, you know, a couple of life things happened too. That's why I said the that the four years isn't like exact. Exact. Yeah. Yeah. You know, life things happen and you know, moving, all sorts of stuff. So you know, the dates aren't exact. They, they one date I can say is that is the date I started my blog. And then, you know, I was running it probably for a couple of years before that for for actors. So um and how important this is, a, I think this is a question that I'm not sure anybody has, you know, the answer, but how important is social media for actors in your opinion? Oh, I think it's extremely important. And it's not just my biased opinion. Um, it's, it's important on so many levels. I mean, social media, it helps you connect with your fans and you have fans no matter like what level you are of your career. So, you know, if you're at a high level, you're going to be connecting with your fans, you know, on the TV show or the fans that see your Broadway show. But if you're just starting out, you're like collecting fans, you know, from the student film or the community theater and also the fans that hired you for the job, that casting director, that producer, that director, you can use social media to collect fans all along the way, which is so important. Um, Social media, whether we want to talk about it or not, and whether actors want to hear it or not, it can help you get cast, Um, you know, and that's why you need to be collecting those fans all along and just like growing your following as your career grows. I was just um, recently on a film festival panel and, um, there was a indie film producer on the panel with me and he was talking about how he gets more um, money when it comes to foreign distribution of his films. If he hires actors that above the line have more followers. I mean, it's just, it's a business. So in that way, it is important. Um, also, it's important for building relationships. And this this career really, it's all about relationships. So whether it's because you want to use social media to, you know, meet somebody that you don't know, you know, um, or just to stay top of mind with the people that you've already worked with. And social media allows you to like organize these contacts, stay top of mind with them, because really it's those people that know, like, and trust you already, right? So those people are the quickest way to booking new work. And if you have a structure in place to stay in touch with them, you're going to have more opportunities. It's just, it's, I wish I had that 10 years ago. I wish I could keep track of everybody that I had worked with since I was 10 years old, right? You know, I grew up in the time of cassette tapes and pagers, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and black and white headshots. I'm um, older than you. So yeah, I, I know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> people, I, I talk to young people and I'm like, you need to just make your own stuff. I'm like, you guys have iPhones. I mean, you, you have any idea what that is like, you know, coming from not having any of that. It's like, you used to make self tapes on VHS tapes. And like, I mean, it's crazy when you think about what it, what it was and what it is now. It's, I think it's just the most amazing time to be an actor because like you said, you, you have your iPhone, you can create content, you can build an audience and get it out to the world that didn't exist. Even like 
five years ago, really. So I just think it's in a really exciting time, whether it's relationships, increasing your castability, um, being able to create your own content. It Social media just really like gives you back control in a career that you don't have much control, right? When I grew up, I, I really felt like when I grew up that I was on that treadmill of like, I was doing everything. Workshops I was doing, um, acting classes. I was always updating my headshot, my resume. I was doing whatever networking in-person things that were there. But it was like this endless treadmill where I felt like I couldn't meet the people I wanted to meet. And now with social media, I feel like the doors have opened and there's so many more possibilities for doing that. So if those aren't enough reasons to be on social media, I don't know what you know, what, so what then, there are. So then my follow-up is it, if 27-year-old Heidi Dean had access to 38-year-old Heidi Dean, would 27-year-old Heidi Dean still be acting? Somebody asked me that recently. I don't know because I don't know what green lights I would have had at the time. You know, I really don't know like what would have happened, but I do know I'm super super proactive. So you better believe if I had those tools back then, I would have been using them. So, so I don't know who knows. Um, the, I mean, the good thing is that, you know, I did meet my husband acting, so I'm, that wouldn't have changed. <laughs> I don't like to look back and say, Oh, what if, because maybe I wouldn't have had my daughter. You know, I actually have a 21 year old stepdaughter too, that, um, I've been able to spend a lot of time with over the years. And who knows if I was still an actor, if I would have been able to to spend all that time with her. So yeah, no, and I don't know. I don't even mean it in that way. It's uh, what I'm saying is just in terms of the value that you bring actors, do you think it's that dramatic that someone, you know, take anyone who's, who's not working with someone, whether it's you or someone who does something similar to what you do, uh, do you, you, it sounds like it's that dramatic of a difference. Um, at least in your opinion, just in terms of being proactive, I'm, I'm thinking of how many people can, you know, that are, are young actors right now listening to this should really consider, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not pitching that you, Oh, Hey, go work with <laughs> Heidi. Like I'm, this is not a commercial, but I'm saying to think about having some kind of guidance or at least, you know, reading her blog or, and, and for that matter, any entrepreneur really, because that's kind of what you're talking about. And it's actually something I was curious about. Do you ever have plans of widening the net beyond actors or will you always stay within this niche or will you just stay within the arts and within this business? Or how, how do you look at that? Well, actually, this is going to be a good answer for actors and businesses, because as actors, you know, you know, you hear about type and you're afraid of like pigeonholing yourself. You know, if I'm too specific, the same thing as businesses, you know, as business, you're afraid, oh, if I get to if I do marketing, you know, social media for actors, isn't that going to narrow the field? But because I've been so niche, I've taken over the field. Like, you know, if you Google social media for actors, if you like, I come up everywhere. I... It's, I'm not bragging, but in the last three years, all I've had are green lights for my business. I'm knocking on something right now. But if it's been a film festival, pan, a film festival, a you know a SAG after panel, a workshop, anything I've done in my business, I've actually never written one email, made one phone call to make it happen. And it's amazing, but it's because I went niche. And so when people are talking about, oh, I got to learn social media, it's been like a word of mouth where people say, oh, you've got to go check out so-and-so. And it's not, I'm not even the only person doing it. I've just done a good job of like 
growing my tribe and getting it out there. But I've gotten so specific that now people think, oh, you've got to go talk to Heidi. Had I just done like, you know, if I, you know, I'm going to teach acting and marketing, it wouldn't have, I wouldn't have had the same results. So don't be afraid to get niche, whether you're starting a business or whether you're being, you're an actor and like, you should really think about like what type of roles you can play and <laughs> where your sweet spot is. It's not going to hurt you because I work with actors, but I can tell you right now, half of my business, I work with businesses too now. And I work with a lot of businesses that work with actors. Um, so even though everyone knows me as social media for actors, I work with people who have podcasts. I work with um, people who have radio shows. I work with headshot photographers. I work with acting coaches. So a lot of people that are within the business, um, I work with visual artists. So becoming niche didn't hurt me at all, actually. Um, and I still, I still work with other people. Um, just I've cornered the market of being social media for actors because I got specific. So hopefully yeah. that will help people. <laughs> I'm, oh, I'm chewing on what you're saying because I've had this thought with 10,000 no's. I intentionally set out to do it where I didn't want people expected me to just talk to people within our industry. And I thought, well, I don't, I don't want to do that. I want to speak to cancer survivors and athletes and entrepreneurs and actors, writers, producers, uh, casting directors, obviously, because those are where the majority of my contacts are. But um, I've had this, this conversation with some people recently. I've been thinking about it myself, which is, you know, do, do I go more specialized? At this point, I may, you know, I, that the bridge may have been crossed, but I, I sometimes am curious about that myself. And I, I really, as I'm listening to your advice to people about going niche, that that actually is what I would always say to young actors when they would say, you know, oh, how do you not get typecast? And I'd say, look, get your toe in the door, whatever. If they're seeing you in, in a certain light and they're and you're getting work when once you get there, if you're a student of the craft, you'll get better. And if you get better, people will notice. And if people notice, they will give you more opportunities. And you can always as long as you don't define yourself by the the boxes that they put you in, you won't be defined by that. You know, you, you just mm -hmm. use those as opportunities and then you have, you know, you have a trick up your sleeve. And as soon as they think you're this one thing that you've been doing over and over again, you flip it on them and, and, exactly. they, and they're surprised. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like that's what you've, you've done. You're, you know, it's almost like, uh, you know, I always talk about this, Michael Jordan, you know, when you're the best, when you're Michael Jordan, they let you play major league baseball, even though you're not, you know, really he didn't do so well when he played pro pro baseball, but he was Michael Jordan. It's like, mm -hmm. Hey, yeah. <laughs> you know, when exactly. you're the top of your game, <laughs> we're going to invite you over to this and we're going to give you a shot. Cause you were so good in that other, and you know what you did. So. Um, and it's important. I know for, um, well, for businesses, but also actors that are content creators, um, becoming niche is important too. Cause you have to, you have to know who your audience is. So many people I work with, they're like, my YouTube channel is just not taking off. And we, I ask them, well, who are you targeting? Who's the, who's your audience? And they have no idea. Um, you know, sometimes just other actors like me, well, what does that mean? You have to, especially if you're going to use social media to get it out there, you have to know who your audience is. I talk to the same person every time I do a live stream, every time I write an email, every time I do anything in my business, I'm talking to the same actor. I know everything she likes and does. And, and it's, so it's that specific. And if you're not 
if you're not specific about who your audience is, then you're not going to see the same results. If you're creating content or you have a business, it's really, really, it's crucial. And, and then if, especially if you want to take it even further and like start doing Facebook ads and, you know, doing more social media marketing than like paid traffic, you really need to know who your audience is or you're wasting your money. So, um, it's very, very important. Any content creators listening, make sure you know who um, is who your audience is. What do they watch on TV? What do they watch on film? You know, what do they do in their free time? This is going to help you get super specific about the content, but super super specific about how to get it out there and how to grow the audience for it. That's really valuable. What? How about um, within platforms? So, in terms of being niche on which platform, for example, uh, you know, some people say, well, I'm not so great with Facebook. Um, I, I tend to like Instagram better, or I like Twitter. Do you suggest to people pick one that you really love and you're really good at and just, just focus on that and grow that? Or are you more of the Gary Vaynerchuk kind of know what all the different channels are because, Instagram may be gone tomorrow and who knows what the next new one is going to be. And you need to know the language of each platform. Where do you stand on that? A little bit of both. I say, especially as an artist, um, as an actor, you should grab your name everywhere if possible, or grab the consistent username you're using. Cause you never know, like, you know, actually something I didn't say why social media is so important for actors, because it actually could be in your contract. Can't believe I didn't say that. But live tweeting's in context. Posting is in context. You know, you may you may have to do an Instagram takeover for your next job, or you know, you may have to live tweet. So, um, so having set up on those platforms already is going to help you a little bit, and especially you know, you'll have your name. So I do suggest that. But then I always say you need to choose your platforms. You know, the ones you're really going to play on, the ones you're going to actively use, based on you know what your goals are for your career. So yes, you want to use the ones that you're going to love to be on, but you really have to think really hard, like, okay, if I'm just going to use Facebook and my number one goal for my career is to meet new people and expand my contacts, well, you're not going to reach that goal just using Facebook. It's just, I mean, maybe Facebook groups, but that's as far as you're going to get. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult. Uh, but if your goal is to expand your contacts, then, you know, Instagram and Twitter are going to be a fantastic place for that. So you really need to decide where you're going to party based on your goals and not just where your friends are, not just where you're going to have the most fun. Now, you do need to like the platform. So that needs to be part of the decision. <laughs> um, and you don't have to play everywhere the same amount of time. That's a big myth. People think like, oh, I got to, you know, I got to spend the same amount of time on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. No, I say pick your home base platform. For me, it's changing up a little bit, but Twitter is my home base platform. It helps me reach most, you know, most of my goals. I get, you know, I get really good engagement and I get more clicks to my website to read my blog from Twitter than anywhere else. Um, I just relaunched my YouTube channel, so that may change. <laughs> um, Instagram is my close second to help me reach those goals. But I'm not going to just like go party on Instagram because I keep reading, which is a lot of people are like, I'm just going to be on Instagram because I'm reading. That's like where I need to be. And engagement is higher. I'm like, well, but are you reaching your goals? The answer may be yes, but you get a lot of double taps on Instagram. Is that helping you reach your goal? Yes, no, but you had to figure that out for yourself. So, um, you know, make sure you have a reason to be on that platform and, you know, just pick two, pick three to focus on and really rock those out. Don't, you don't have to be everywhere. 
And I love these answers. I'm, I'm, I'm gaining so much for myself, not, not just for listeners. This is, I'm taking everything you're saying and just kind of mulling it over. Um, what about different approaches? Uh, that's one of the things, I don't know if you've, if you're familiar with the book, Jab, Jab, Left Hook, mm-hmm. Gary, yeah, Gary yeah. V. Mm-hmm. Um, and he talks about how people, you know, he's like, it's a different language for each platform. And people don't realize a hashtag means something over here. It means nothing over here. It mean, And his thing was like, you need to at least know what the parameters are within each one. Um, but how do you feel about, uh, let's say someone's creating content and they're getting the word out about that content. Do they, in, in your coaching, would you say, um, okay, just do one blanket thing. It's going to save you time. You're going to cater it toward your primary platform. And then it'll also be on the others. It's not going to be perfectly made for Twitter or perfectly made for Facebook, but that's fine. You got it out there. Or are you like, no, if you're going to do it, you need to cater it to that. You need to have a, a, a slightly different post for each platform. It's a little bit of both. And it depends on the client because it depends how much time they're going to spend on social media. And if they're just starting out, if they're just starting out, I may, I may direct them, you know, if Instagram's your main post, you know, you know, your main place, then let's use an app to push your post over to Twitter. So the picture shows up because we're not focusing on Twitter yet, you know, so it depends on the, the client, but I do advocate that advocate that each platform has its own language. If you really want to be successful, I mean, one of the main major complaints I hear from Um, people in my Facebook group and actors online are that, you know, they're not getting engagement. Well, one reason that's happening is because they're just pushing their posts everywhere. So, you know, they're posting on Instagram and they're pushing it to Facebook and pushing it to Twitter, but they're not thinking about like, oh, well, I have this ugly link on Instagram and why, you know, no one's clicking on it. You know, I mean, it's on Twitter, but it's just an ugly Instagram link. Well, of course, no one's clicking on it because they know it came from Instagram and it's ugly. (laughs) It's not a conversation. Um, a big switch for a lot of people that I teach and work with um, is just this, like you need to change the way you look at social media. Social media has changed so much in the past five years. And most actors, most people treat social media like a television to broadcast their news at people, which is what you're also doing when you're just like putting those posts out everywhere, the same post everywhere. You're just like broadcasting at people when you should be treating it like a telephone to talk with people, to have a conversation. And how you have that conversation may be slightly different on each on each platform. And that's something I teach in my classes is, okay, how are we going to make the, quote, perfect post? There's no perfect post, but how would we make the perfect post on Instagram versus Twitter? Because we're going to use hashtags differently on Instagram than we will on Twitter. Um, we are going to possibly use, obviously, use more video or live video on Facebook. Um, I might, you know, I'm going to phrase things differently on Twitter. I might even space it out a little bit different to get people's attention. And this is stuff I test every day and bring back to my students is, you know, how do I, what what am I really seeing like with how I'm composing things on Twitter versus Facebook versus Instagram, uh, maybe the caption on Instagram that are getting results. And it is slightly different everywhere. Um, But that, you know, so yes, you need to learn the language. You need to know how every platform works. But, you know, there are tweaks and hacks that you can do that do work. Like um, I kind of alluded to it earlier. You know, if you have an Instagram account and a Twitter account, um, every once in a while, I do push my posts from Instagram to Twitter and I use an app called IFTTT. What this does is it makes sure the picture shows up on Twitter. So it's not just that ugly Instagram link. 
it looks like a real caption. It has, you know, a real post. It has a picture. And now I get engagement on it on Twitter. I don't do it for every post, but I do it when I know the post will also perform on Twitter. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. What, what I want to put that in the show notes, that link, it's IFTTT. Yes. It's actually, if this, then that. And I know that doesn't make sense because it's missing a T somewhere in there. IFTTT, if this, then that. It's actually like an amazing, uh, amazing tool and app where if this happens, then this is good, then that is going to happen somewhere else. So it like links your Gmail to your Twitter to like, it links a million things. Like people can tweet about a hashtag and it can end up on a spreadsheet for you. Like it's, it links everything together. Oh my it, God. It yeah. makes different things talk. It's really, it's really fascinating. I got to tell you, Heidi, I'm cringing a little bit as I listen to you because I, you know, I, first of all, I kind of was so resistant to social media for so long. And then I finally was on some shows where it was, uh, it was pretty pertinent and you know the the big ones that were big in this world were scandal and teen wolf where they have mm-hmm. a big online um, presence and so twitter through doing that you know really grew for me and and at one point it was you know up to maybe 95,000 followers and i and i kind of figured out how you know it's funny hearing you systematically talk i remember with teen wolf at one point, after probably a hundred tweets or something, having this epiphany, I was like, oh, so I get Twitter. It's like I'm texting to my friends. It's just that I don't know these people. But, you exactly. know, it was, it was, and I was like, oh, okay. So I can be funny. I could be snarky. I could be whatever I want. You know, I can, like, I just didn't get it. Kind of what you were saying about looking at it like old broadcast news. Um, anyway, flash forward a little bit and, Instagram caught my fancy and that's kind of my primary now. And I feel like I'm always pushing to Twitter and I know that it's not good, but it's still like, uh, I don't have the time. I'm just, I'm going to push it. So at least it's there, but I, I completely, I'm cringing as I, as I hear you and, and Facebook, forget about it. I feel terrible. And hey, I mean, it works, it, it works sometimes. And you know, if you have a big following, if you're a cel- celebrities do it all the time. And of course people are still liking those tweets that look ugly, you know, and that you yeah, can't yeah. even read the whole caption. Um, but there's a better way and using that app will be a better way and you'll get better engagement on those posts. I've had posts like that do really well on Instagram and send them over to Twitter. And they've almost like rivaled the Instagram post that did really well because a picture pops up. So, um, it's just a slight, a slight difference. That's gonna, Oh, that's great. So you are incredibly productive. I read somewhere that you had a a catering and, uh, I think baking company at some point. I did. That's, that's kind of when you said there's like four years there. Um, Oh, that was the, (laughs) yeah, well, I actually started that when I was an actor and, uh, I don't always talk about it cause it's like so left field, but, uh, yeah, I had a, a very successful gluten-free baking business and, um, started that when I was an actor, it was my side job for a while and I had products all over New York city, all over the Hudson Valley. And, um, so yeah, that's actually how I learned marketing and social media was on that yeah. business. Is so, that done now? Is that, did you close that? Oh, or that's did been you done for it? years. Yeah. I mean, okay. that's where I said life got in the way. Cause at some point, uh, my husband got sick. And so we, we stopped that business and, um, decided we were going to have a, you know, have a kid, um, that got pushed off a couple of years, but, um, but yeah, that's when that business was closed. I sold, uh, I sold that business, but that okay. was, that was really, that was a lot of fun. My husband had celiac disease. So that's where that business came from actually. Cause back then there was like no good gluten-free food. I actually look at a lot. It proves that I follow the green lights because 
everything I've created in my life. Like I've created these successful businesses, but they all came out of this, this need. My husband needed better food. And so I actually just started like baking for him and cooking for him. And then everyone that tried the stuff's like, uh, you need to get these in the stores. And so I just like followed the green lights. <laughs> this is so, it's like, you're, you're actually like a commercial for 10,000 no's. This is what I talk about all the time is that the, the very things that we, we are trying to avoid all the times, all the time we, we, you know, we want to be comfortable and we, we forget that all of our growth comes from the rejections. It comes from the failures. It comes from the bad, the, the diagnosis that's scary. It, it, that's, if you react to it in a way that's seeking to help yourself, that's where the growth comes. And, and Heidi just said it. It's like, the, the, that's where her business came from, which led to her other business, which is super successful. So rather than cringing our way or, or bracing our way through life and kind of, you know, uh, just wanting to be smooth sailing, that's kind of not the way it works. <laughs> I mean, it's a, yeah. I love hearing that, that that whole business was a reaction to your, your husband's diagnosis. It's yeah. great. Well, and sometimes, you is, know, he doing sometimes okay? is he doing a lot better now because he's yeah, changed his diet? He's good, doing good. fine now. Yeah. But that. it was a little scary time, but yeah. um, for him too, cause he wasn't working as an actor cause he got so skinny, but, <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, sometimes the green lights aren't what we want, you know, like closing, you deciding to not do that business. I mean, we were in talks to open a bakery in the city and like had investors and like, we had all these green lights for that, but then my family is the most important thing for me. It's how I run my business. Like it all is dependent on my daughter, my husband, and then of course, like my family. And, um, you know, so sometimes following the green lights means I had to close something super successful and, and sell it, which wasn't bad, but you know, I had to close that, um, to, you know, spend time with my family and focus on and focus on that. So, yeah. you know, sometimes those changes aren't what we think they're going to be. But if you asked me 10 years ago, if I, you thought I'd be, if I ever thought I'd be teaching social media to actors, I would have, well, first of all, I would have been like social media, what, like Facebook? Cause that's all that existed really. <laughs> right. um, you know, I'd be like, what? No, you know, but you know, obviously following the green lights worked for me. So. Yeah. Well, so, well, what I was, I was going to, uh, I kind of got a little off on a tangent there, but what I was going to ask you was you're so productive and you, you seem, uh, at least to the outside, I don't know, maybe it doesn't feel this way to you, but extremely productive, extremely efficient. Um, what are, if you, if you don't mind sharing some of your rituals or processes, are you an early morning person? Are you a a late night person? Are you just a, like, do you block time off at certain periods? I know even in scheduling this interview, it was very, you seem protective of your time. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and all of the most highly successful people that I know are that way. And I'm just wondering what, what some of your rituals and processes are. Well, I schedule everything. And this actually, apparently I've been doing since I've been like a little girl. My mom said I used to make lists for the family, like when I was 
five years old and not just for myself, but for everybody, like what they were going to do. And I actually look at my daughter, <laughs> we, we tuck her in at night and she tells me like, I'm going to have Cheerios in the morning and then I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this as soon as the alarm goes off. And I'm like, Oh my God, you are my child because I make lists every day. So I always know the night before actually. So I know exactly what I'm going to do the next day. I, everything is structured in my business. So it, yeah, exactly. With, with, with this podcast, um, I've had a lot of podcast interviews lately and I've spread them out because, um, you know, I only want to do so many interviews every month. That's, it's something I have to take time away from my clients. Also, you know, I want to, I want to share them and I don't want to just be sharing podcasts every day you know, with my audience. So, so yeah, everything is very, very structured. And I think that's, what's helped me be successful. Um, it comes very natural to me, um, to schedule things out. Um, um, but I mean, I'll be honest about what I'm not good at. Cause we're just talking about stuff like that. I mean, I'm not, yeah. um, I'm, you know, I'm very focused. Sometimes I'm not good at taking time for myself. Um, you know, I'm very good at taking care of others, taking care of my husband, my daughter, taking care of like all my, you know, actors in my online classes and in my Facebook group. But what I'm really working hard on now is like self-care and taking, taking more time, spreading out those podcasts instead of just saying yes to everything. Um, Ironically, I'm reading the year of yes, <laughs> even though I'm trying Shonda, not to say Shonda's book. Yeah. I'm trying yeah. not to say yes to everything. I'm giving myself more time. Um, but it's funny. She says, she says something like, you know, if I'm succeeding at one thing, I'm, you know, inevitably fa- failing at another. And when I first read that, I was like, wow, like that seems pretty harsh. But the more I thought about it, I was like, oh no, if you're, you know, everyone looks at my business, they go, oh my God, well, how do you, now you're adding YouTube, like, how are you getting those videos in with everything else you're doing? I'm like, well, I'm going to be honest. Number one, I'm scheduling it out. I'm doing a little less some places, but the big thing in my life was like, I was doing so much, but I was failing at self-care. I was failing at getting my butt to the gym. Like since I've had my daughter, I used to be like a, when I was an actor, I would, and I was on tour. I remember I would, I was a runner and I won, I would, I won a trophy on tour, um, for a 5k because I was running, you know, I was running so much like that's, that's, that's amazing. Fitness was, fitness was so important to me. And, um, and it was always trying to beat my time. It goes with my personality, I guess. Um, but since I've had my daughter, so four years now, like self-care has gone out the window. Uh, so that's something, you know, I'm doing very well in my business and I'm doing very, I was doing very poorly with taking care of myself. So that's been a big shift, um, with my schedule. There's a yoga studio. I, I work in the city I and mean, I work with people online, but, um, I live a little north of the city in like this little tiny town and a yoga studio just opened up in my tiny town. So it's been three weeks now of unlimited yoga, five days a week. And I feel like, okay, now I'm getting my balance back. But, um, but yeah, I mean, everything seems like it's amazing, but just know like I've got a lot to work on, you know, I need to take care of myself cause I can serve more people. If I, if I make sure that I'm like feeling great and, rested. And, and now I am getting up because you asked what time I get up in the morning. Yeah. Now I'm getting up. I'm taking six o'clock yoga is actually the best time for me to take because I can sneak it in before my daughter wakes up and I can, I can hit the ground running. So I'm a morning, I'm definitely a morning person that is that changed when I had my daughter. Um, but now it's coming back now that she's in school and then I can take morning yoga, but yeah, yeah. definitely get up in the morning, get stuff done. Um, 
especially because I know she's coming home at three o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know it well. I've got two of them. Um, well, so we, so was there a period though where you were not? There was a period where you were not a morning person, and how was it then? Like, did you? You know, when you were in the period of of kind of feeling like you were off your game, was it just that you were you were still getting up, but you were just all business all the time and felt like yeah, everything else yeah. was? Mm -hmm. And yeah. I was, I, I mean, I still work. I work a lot. You know, I don't just work like when my daughter's at at school. My husband and I take turns. You know, I work at night sometimes. And um, but yeah, I was sleeping in a little more. I think because I also wasn't working out, <laughs> so I was sleeping in a little bit more. I just found myself I wasn't I wasn't as productive, you know. Um, and part of it, my schedule wasn't my own the last four years with my daughter. You know, I shouldn't say four years; she started school last February. But um, up until then, you know, anyone that's had a child realizes, like, wow, you definitely lose your schedule. So before I had her, I could get up early, I could plan my day, and then when I had her, it's like, whoa, where did the idea of schedule go. It's just totally out the window. At least she's a good sleeper and she actually fed on a schedule. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but besides that, that was hard for me, for somebody that is so big on schedule to have that taken away, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I have faith that you're going to take it like you did with the, your husband's celiac. You'll take it and somehow twist it into your, uh, your mission. It seems like you do that well. Um, it won't, it won't be a new business this time though. <laughs> no, I'm no. Happy Stay with what you do. You got a lot of green lights. Stay there. Uh, well, listen, you, you're a joy to talk to. I feel like I've learned so much and, uh, and everybody's going to learn so much. Um, I'll have links in the show notes to all of your websites and all that, but is there anything before we go, is there anything that you want to share with people that you have plans for next or something they should be on the lookout for? Ah, coming up in the fall, I'm going to be doing a little more stuff on Instagram, even though my classes include um, lots of good stuff on Instagram. But I'm in the fall, there'll be a lot of uh, uh, a free Instagram class, a paid Instagram class. So it's what my audience is asking for. So I'm going to be delivering. Um, uh, I do have a free checklist that I'm sure your audience would love. It's um, it's called the Ultimate Social Media Checklist for Actors. And it's at checklistforactors.com. And okay. I'll um, put that in the, sh in the uh, show notes as well. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a 30 page ebook that kind of, that will get you set up, um, on your social media platforms. And it's okay. totally free, totally free. <laughs> All right. Great. Well, listen, Heidi, thank you so much for, for sitting down with me. I know you're busy, so it, it makes me doubly appreciative and, um, I, I can't wait to see, you know, your business continue to grow. Well, thanks for having me. This was so much fun. Okay. My head is spinning with all the things I could be doing better in terms of marketing, networking, and social media. So many things to think about. As you know by now, I'm just going to give you my top three takeaways, and you're going to have to listen again if you want to really mine the depths of what Heidi just taught us. Okay, here we go. One, follow the green lights. She said that over and over again. We talk about perseverance at 10,000 no's, but Heidi shows us that part of the big picture perseverance conversation is knowing when to let some things go in order to pursue what's really important, even if those things were very successful in some cases, like Heidi's Baking Catering Company. Two, know who you're targeting specifically, very specifically. Who is your audience? How can you serve them better? This doesn't just apply to business. How can you serve anyone better? Your kids, your parents, your kids' school, your spouse. 
And, and how can you pursue your goals more efficiently by knowing exactly what it is you're after and exactly where you want to go? Three, work by a schedule. This may mean different styles for different people, but the overall takeaway with scheduling is be intentional. What do you want to accomplish tomorrow? How can you set yourself up today to accomplish more tomorrow? Heidi talked about her four-year-old telling her which cereal she's going to eat in the morning. It's not unlike me laying out my gym clothes at night, so there's no debate about whether or not I'm going the next day. It's just automatic. That'll save you tons of time and keep you on track. All right. Thanks again for listening. Do yourself a favor. Take these guests' words of wisdom and apply them. Don't just listen passively. Use this podcast to help yourself. If you liked Heidi, you may want to go seek out some of my other interviews. Uh, mountain climber and best-selling author Allison Levine comes to mind. Uh, my conversation with journalist and documentary film producer Kimmy Culp comes to mind. Neither is exactly like Heidi, but there are similar themes throughout these conversations. So you may want to check them out. And let me know what's working for you about this podcast and what's not. You can do that by emailing me at info at 10,000nos.com with feedback. That's info at 10000nos.com with feedback. One more thing, guys. Definitely be sure to tune in next week. I've got entrepreneur Sharon Srivatsa. This guy took a real estate company in Southern California from $300 million in revenue to $3.5 billion in revenue in five years. Uh, not only that, an amazing human being, really generous. Definitely check that out. It's coming out next Friday.